up and welcome back to the something's brewing podcast episode 40 40 <laughs> the tuka rask episode <laughs> it's so unfortunate but it's so true it's the, it's, it's episode 40 it's the tuka rask episode and i hate to say it but there's something so poetic about that and ironic it's it's not great. It's not great, it's Mel. Un- it's unfortunately um, a little fitting, I guess, that the, um, I don't know, the grieving episode, the the oh, bad luck oh. episode, the episode where the vibes are about as low as I could possibly be <laughs> is the Tuka Rask episode. But it's, it's you, like- I, you and I were just talking before we started recording. In no way did we ever imagine that we would be recording this episode this early like, no i thought at least it would be like end of may like Dude, i was like eastern conference finals we were on last episode saying oh uh well we pretty much have a date with the toronto maple leafs coming up in the next <laughs> round no even even when i was when i was watching the game um i was watching it with my mom and we were talking about uh you know like oh like like who who does the winner of this play and at this point the bruins scored three goals in a row it was three two there was like four minutes left in the third and the bruins were totally driving the play and i was like yeah no the bruins they'll probably they're i think their next game will be i think what tuesday night against the maple leafs and uh, we just had like a whole conversation about like, <laughs> like like what the matchup would be, and I was like, well, listen, here's why it's such a big deal. And then I went through the whole, you see, it's big for the Bruins because they get to beat Toronto again, but it's even bigger for Toronto because they just got their first playoff series win in 20 years. But wouldn't you know it, they're playing the team that's beaten them the most times in any of, the, and it was like that whole conversation. And then I'm yeah. not even kidding, literally 15 minutes after that, the Bruins were eliminated from the playoffs. So so the Bruins were eliminated uh, seven games, Florida Panthers, um, Makachuk, Makachuk, Sam Bennett and Radko Gudis are the real the three guys who kill all and Bobrovsky and the the four guys who killed you for Hagee. Oh, my God. Honestly, dude. I, I I didn't that Florida Panthers team. They've got some dogs, man. Like I do. And like this is. Like, do you do you think that like just everybody, most importantly, Bruins fans, just underestimated this team? Oh the yeah, Panthers? big time, big time. It, I, mean, I mean, they they do it. They it, it was around the All Star break, I think, where uh, Paul Maurice, head coach of the Florida Panthers, like flipped out on his team, and and since then. Something in their locker room switched and they'd been fighting all season long. And on the very last day of the regular season, they clinched the final spot 
in the playoffs. And, it's and, Pittsburgh's fault that we're here. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck Pittsburgh. Dude. They couldn't fuck. be Columbus and they couldn't be Chicago. And it was like, a, it's the butterfly effect. Because of that, the Bruins lost in seven to the Florida Panthers. Yeah, fuck Sidney Crosby. Fuck him, Kenny Malkin. You, all you had to do was beat one team. One of I those know. two teams and they couldn't and, do it. But no, but 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 we're deflecting. We're deflecting. The <laughs> Bruins ultimately should have been able to put away the Florida Panthers, but all series long, you saw Florida drive the play. They played simple hockey, simple in-your-face hockey, putting the puck into the corner, beating you in battles, just crushing you, soul-crushing you every single chance that they got. You couldn't hold a lead if your life depended on it, and your life did depend on it. <laughs> um, game 7 was a disaster. Uh, there, there's so many things. Jim Montgomery, what the? what are you doing? Like injuries key key players not performing uh it, it was it, there's so many little rabbit holes to jump down and we'll get into all of them but um ultimately the bruins weren't able to get the job done it was i'm confident in saying it was a wasted season cuz now now when you look back at this historic team a team that was setting records left and right every other night they were setting some new record in the nhl now, when you look back at this team in later years, you're going to look back at it and you're just kind of kind of like have that feeling of like, oh, yeah, like, like no, disaster. I mean, it's uh, I, I tweeted it out like this. It's literally there is an argument that this is it's the biggest collapse of any team in North American sports history. Yeah. Like like. It, we don't like, you know, we always say jokingly, you know, you don't like to cross sports, but I tweeted out, you know, like this, this Bruins team, it is the greatest regular season team in the history of the National Hockey League. So it's only right that you compare them cross sports, right? And I tweeted, you know, the New England Patriots in 2008, they went 16 and 0. The, the second team to ever go undefeated, the 14 and 0 Dolphins did it back, or maybe 12. Either way, they did it back before they played 16 games. That Patriots team made it all the way to the big game, the Super Bowl, and they lost. The greatest team in MLB history, the I think it was the 2001 Mariners had 116 wins, but also like the 1906 Chicago Cubs had 116 wins, most in MLB history. And that was back when they played like 150 games or some shit. And they made it all the way to the World Series and lost. With, with just Boston fans in general, if – you're listening to this podcast and maybe you're just tuning in or maybe you're, you're a new hockey fan and you don't understand the gravity of, of this brutal collapse that we all just witnessed. Think about the, what was it? The 2018 Red Sox that won like 119 games. Imagine if 108, imagine if they lost in round one in the most brutal fashion, all of a sudden nobody was getting hits. The pitching staff sucked. Um, you could compare it to like Chris Sale being the ace, Linus Allmark being the Vezza. Um, all of a sudden, Chris Sale gives up like 10 hits a game, gives up four bombs. I know we're not going to cross sports too much, but I'm just trying to compare it and just for the people out there who might not understand the weight of everything. Yeah, I mean, the the NFL team with the greatest regular season in NFL history made it to the Super Bowl and lost. The MLB, MLB team, one of the two with the greatest regular season record in MLB history, made it to the World Series and lost. The NBA team with the greatest record in NBA history, the 73-9 and nine Warriors, made it all the way to the NBA Finals and lost in seven games. In your 65-win team 
Bruins, who didn't just set the record for the most wins by any team. They also set the record for the most points by any team in NHL history in the hundred plus years of this or the, this league lost in the first round to a team that only made the playoffs because the Penguins lost back-to-back games to the two worst teams in hockey. Yeah, like, I, like, I mean, it's, I can't even like, and it's not like, like, you know, in football, you know, you lose a Super Bowl, you got caught one game. Baseball, it's different. Even basketball, the team with the, be- with the best players wins. But like, like hockey, any team can win any given night. But to have the most historic team in the history of the league lose in a seven game series. Like they didn't just catch you four times. Like they, they, the Panthers beat the Bruins four times and they look like the better team. The majority of that series, like it's not like they just caught the Bruins slipping. Like they, they beat the shit out of them. Kind of. Yeah. They embarrass you. Like if it wasn't for, I don't know. I, I can't even really pinpoint anything. If it wasn't for a couple lucky bounces of the Bruins' way, they could have easily lost this series in like five or six. Yeah, like exactly. Like easily, easily. That's how the- much the Florida Panthers just outwilled you to every single puck battle, every inch of the game. Florida took it to you every way they could. You, yeah. you didn't win. You didn't play better than the Panthers in any aspect in the series. Not one single time from game no, I- one on. It's incredible. I mean, even like this this Bruins team, think of how long it took them to just lose one home game this year. I mean, do yeah. they do they even have like six home losses in regulation this year? The Florida Panthers were a 500 road team during the regular season. They came into the Garden in the playoffs and beat the Bruins three times on the Garden ice, including a game seven. Like it's it's I don't even like know where to begin. Like, I don't want to say that, you know, the, the Bruins, uh, I don't want to say that, that they played down to competition or that the Bruins got caught because all year, I think that the Bruins have understand the gravity of this season and what this season means to their leaders, to the organization, to the city. And then after all of that, to play the way that they did, you have a, you raised your hand. The the Bruins were 34, four and three at home this season. Their first loss came against the Vegas Golden Golden Knights on December 5th. That's crazy. And they yep. and they went one and three. I mean, you play all year to get home ice advantage. You get it, and you go one and three after everything that they did this year. It's it's like I like I've been struggling to like pinpoint a single reason why the series went the way that it did. And I think that there's, it, it's like an onion. Like you just start peeling back layers. We it, can go it, with. And I mean, then it gets, it gets uglier and uglier. Oh yeah. It gets uglier. real stinky in your eyes. start burning. <laughs> I mean, the Florida Panthers were playing meaningful games a month before the yeah. playoffs started. Cause they were scrapping and fighting every single game just to make a spot. And like you said, it, it took until the very last day of the regular season for them to even punch their tickets to the playoffs. Whereas the Bruins didn't, I mean, they locked up the president's trophy like two months ago. Like, let's be real. I mean, it's just like, you can go back to Florida. I mean, they have nothing to lose. There's not a single person. The only people who thought that the Florida Panthers could beat the Bruins are the guys in that locker room. And they showed it. I mean, the, the story of the series for the Bruins was turned turnovers i tweeted it the other day in games that the bruins had less giveaways than the panthers they were three and one in games that they had more giveaways they were oh and three and that includes game seven where the bruins had 18 giveaways and you can compare that to in game seven the florida panthers had 17 takeaways in game seven 
And that's not just like, you know, the Bruins lose the puck. That's like taking the puck from the Bruins. 17 takeaways in game seven. The Bruins had a combined 19 between games three and seven. Dude, in game six, the score was seven to five. Obviously, 12 total goals. Do you know how many goals Tyler Bertuzzi was on the ice for in game six? Nine. Nine. He was on the ice for nine goals. He had three. He had three points and he finished the game a minus three. Yeah, that is that is unheard of. And that's why, like, it's 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 so frustrating because like for a thousand reasons, because not just it's not just that the Bruins had the better team, but like they have the veterans. They have the guys who have been here before. They have Stanley Cup champions in their locker room. And it almost looked like the moment was too big for them. And like, Mm -hmm. I can't after everything that these guys said all year and after everything that this team has been through and after I'll say it again, how much this season meant to the guys in that locker room, like what happened? I, I can't even explain it. All right. So let me, let me, let's go through this. Kevin Weeks reported that Linus Allmark was playing with a debilitating injury. He was trying to play through it and it was affecting his play. Obviously. Now, If that's known in the locker room, why the hell, Jim Montgomery, are you not starting Swayman before game seven? If if Olmark was hurt since game two, why are you not um, using and utilizing the the 1A, 1B goalie rotation that you've used all season long? And not only that, it probably should have been done with or without an injury to Olmark anyways. Olmark didn't start more than three games in a row all season long and all of a sudden you're going to play him six in a row and he's hurt what do you like and there's there's other things that go in with montgomery as well but we'll we'll just start with this one with with all mark and swimming yeah i mean that's why it's so confusing because i think literally everybody kind of recognized like game two hey it looks like Olmark might be a little off he doesn't look like the same Olmark that everybody every single everybody Everybody, like the freaking squirrels in the trees watching the game through my window were like, hey, Linus Omark looks a little off. Like it didn't make any sense that this guy keeps getting starts. And it's not like he wasn't playing poorly, but he wasn't the goalie that just had one of the most dominant regular seasons we've ever seen. Like that that did not look like the Vesna winning Linus Omark we were seeing out there, a guy that a lot of us were proclaiming that he should be in a heart conversation. Yeah. And I mean, if if the Bruins knew that he was injured, and you're up 3-1? Are you shitting me? Right. Going into game five, up 3-1 on home ice, and you know that Omar is a little banged up? There's a thousand different reasons why you start Jeremy Swayman. You can start <laughs> off with, um, gee, Omar hasn't looked fantastic. Let's go to Swayman because this works so well in the regular season. Or, gee, if we get past the Florida Panthers, we're going to need Omar against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's rest them and start Swayman. And, and keep going after I, I mentioned this, but it's not like Swayman was bad. He was he was a top ten goalie in the league. Yeah, he's I mean sitting, he was sitting on the bench, and you're, the goalie you're starting is hurt. Yeah, what are you, I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, uh, I mean, we we both kind of, or at least I know I did when when the when the playoffs started. I said you you pick your guy and you ride your guy until he does you wrong, or unless there's an injury. And yes. Omar, like, but at but the first four games of this series before that like disastrous game five that he let up some kind of soft goals. And of course everybody knows a turnover behind the net up until then I was still saying, all right, maybe let's keep, you know, maybe let's go with Linus Omar game five. But if you, if you knew that Omar was hurt, 
it i i can't even i have there is no reason why swayman shouldn't have been in that net and again i know hindsight is 2020 but i mean we can we can have a whole episode about game five alone if they started a different goalie if brad Marchand knew he had like a, a second and a half left on the clock if linus omar didn't turn the puck over to lose the game i mean it was it was literally a disaster class from like every element of what made this team so great the entire year and that's what failed them in the end see now you can you can look at the plays like Marshawn, the breakaway in game five in hindsight. You can look at line situations, juggling the lines in hindsight. I don't think you can make that argument with the goalies. Like the the you had facts. You had things that were cut and dry. Almark is hurt. He hasn't played more than three games in a row all season long. Jeremy Swayman was performing outside of the first month of the season. He was performing great. He was a great goalie. So you you I don't even think you can make the hindsight argument for that for the goalie situation because you had clear cut dry facts in front of you that you were working with all season long anyways but you chose to ignore them and roll with Allmark for six games in a row and then put a cold Jeremy Swayman in net for a do or die game in Austin after he hadn't started a game in almost two weeks, the most nonsensical coach in the NHL would have seen that immediately. And it's, yeah, I don't understand. I don't get it. Honestly, the part, the part in all of this that frustrated me the most was when the Bruins lost game seven and they asked Jim Montgomery about why didn't Swayman come sooner. And he basically threw Bob Asenza under the bus and said, you got to ask him. And I know Asenza has been great during the regular season. I know, I think Jim Montgomery said in the past that he asked Bob every day who's starting Bob lets him know. And that's it. Like that's the goalie guy. Like he's the one who's managed this, but, but but you're the head coach. I know the decision. I know. And it's, and, and there's a million different things that he was doing. Jim Montgomery was doing in real time. And it was amazing watching everybody on Twitter freak out about how we would do it differently. I mean, we can talk about, of course, the whole goalie debacle we're speaking about right now. I mean, they could have went to Swayman game five, game six. Of course, messing with the lines for literally no reason at all. The first 10 minutes of game five, like Marshawn is on the third line. Guys are flip-flopped everywhere. Bergeron comes back, so Coyle's not in the top line spot anymore. And uh, the fl- the Flyers, geez, the Panthers <laughs> jump out to an early lead. So then he puts the lines back, and the Bruins you know, claw their way all the way back just to lose in the end. Well, maybe if in, in overtime too, maybe if you had those extra 10 minutes at the beginning of the game, when all the lines were back to how they've been literally the entire season, yeah, maybe it wouldn't have went into overtime and maybe you wouldn't have had to claw back and forth the entire game. It was, it was like for the guy who's probably going to win the Jack Adams, who every single weekend we've been banging drugs about how this guy is an amazing coach. I've like I've never seen such mismanagement in the playoffs. And then just no. to sit to sit behind a microphone when they ask you like like Bruins fans are foaming at the mouth with how pissed off we are with how mismanaged this whole situation has been. Game 6 ends, you just got shit on. You're going back home for game 7 and he and he stands up in the podium and goes, "Wow, that was a great game." Wasn't yeah. it? Dude, I have, a kidding? I have it pulled up on my phone right now because that's what I was going to say next. You just lost 7-5 to five in game six, heading back to Boston. You just lost two games in a row, going 
back home for a do or die game with your historic season on the line. And your quote after the game is that was a great hockey game. I mean, wow. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, wake up. Like, if, imagine you're a player in that locker room and you're, you're upset. You're pissed off. You're, you're, you don't know how to feel like your emotions are everywhere. And your head coach, the voice of the team outside of Patrice Bergeron, says that was a great hockey game. I mean, wow. If, what? What? That? I, I. That's what I knew. I knew we were in trouble when I read that. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. If I'm the players and um, everything that happens, you know, coaching and, and managing wise, game five happens. You have to fly to Florida for game six. You you end up losing seven to five, and then your head coach says, "Wow, that was a great game." I. I would, I would lock him in his office and <laughs> not let him on the plane back home. I would be so. It, it seemed like multiple times throughout the season, the team just needed like somebody to grab him by the ear and just yell at him, like right. get your head out of your ass. You're playing like a bunch of assholes. Look at the scoreboard. You guys are ruining everything that we've accomplished this year. And like the more I've listened to what Jim Montgomery has said after each loss as the series was literally collapsing in front of him, the more I was, I'm getting nervous. Like, Oh my God, he might not be this guy. Right. Like, you know, the, the obviously, you know, going from Cassidy to Jim Montgomery has been a massive culture change where you have Cassidy. Who's going to, he's an asshole and he's going to tell you, and he's going to call you out in the media and you have Jim Montgomery. Who's, you know, you get beat down in game six and he, and he compliments the other team. Like it's a, it's a huge change, but like, it's, like at the end of the day, like you still have to have faith that like your coach demands the locker room. And like, I don't know, I just wasn't getting that feeling from him all series. I mean, he's looking up like even like a bad call is made. There was two, two times. And I think it was game six, the Florida Panthers very easily should have got too many men on the ice penalty. And he does nothing. Like he doesn't pull the ref aside. He doesn't scream nothing or a guy makes a boneheaded play and he doesn't call him out or he's afraid to bench guys. He wouldn't switch goalies. He's switching up lines. It just, it was like a classic case of overmanaging. And I just wanted him to get mad for once and he wouldn't do it. It's, it's like you look at all the decisions that he made throughout this series and I'm, this isn't taking anything away from his unbelievable regular season turning a team that no one expected anything great from into something phenomenal, something historic. But when playoffs came around, it's like he went into a room with a bunch of buttons, a bunch of big red buttons that said, do not press. And he's like, Oh my God, I got to press all these buttons. And he hit every single wrong one. Everyone was the wrong decision. (laughs) And it was so blatantly obvious when he was making those decisions. It's like, Dude, like, what are you doing? You haven't, you didn't do this once all season. Why are you all of a sudden overthinking and overanalyzing every single aspect of your lineup? Like, just, just keep it simple and and stick with what worked for you all season long. You lost twelve games all year doing, doing the same thing. Goalie rotation, keeping the lineups the same. I, I don't get it. You flip flop all the lineups all the time. You separate Bergeron and Marshawn. You you all of a sudden coils up on the first, and then you have Marshawn on the third. You got Orlov on the third pairing, pairing, and then all of a sudden he's back up with McAvoy. There was no stability through the lineup 
And it's like what like I it like was driving me insane. Yeah, honestly, I think it started when um Derek Forbert didn't play in like two months and he just threw him in the lineup and pulled out Grizzlick and then refused the entire series. I was begging him to take Forbert out for a game. Please yeah. put put uh Grizzlick in, put him a clip that I don't give a shit. Get Forbert out of there because the guy is slow as shit. I know he eats shots on the penalty kill, but oh my God, dude, this defensive unit I've never seen in my entire, it's like they're all using the wrong handed sticks. And they're yeah. wearing their and they're wearing their gloves backwards. It was it was amazing. <laughs> I was t- I think I was tweeting it every single game. It didn't matter who was on the ice. It didn't matter what side of the ice was on. Every single clean defensive zone win, faceoff win that the Bruins had, the defenseman would just fire it up the boards. Yep. Every single time. And like they were trying to make the extra play. They were coughing pucks up behind the net. And everything starts with your breakout. They couldn't get a clean breakout of their own zone. They couldn't, for the life of them, carry the puck into the offensive zone. They couldn't string multiple passes together. Numerous times you had defensemen doing what they were doing that was working most of the year, jumping up in the play and having it go back the other way for an odd man rush. I mean, you're giving up penalty kill goals. You can't hold the puck in the other team's zone. You're trying to fight back. You score a goal and what was it, game six? And then boom, you give up one right away. And then you score another goal and then boom, you give up one right away. Like the goalies, I, I think between Linus Olmark and Swayman, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they had a sub 900 save percentage in this series, which is ridiculous. They didn't even rank in the top five of teams in the playoffs in terms of goals against average. Your defense was turning the puck over every game, pretty much every game, either McAvoy, Lindholm or Orloff was in the minus. They were a negative player. Uh, I think Bergeron, who came back for three games, did he even have two points? He was a negative player as well. You were talking about Tyler Bertuzzi. I don't want to rag on Tyler Bertuzzi because he was the Bruins' best player. But how the hell do you get three points in a game when you're a minus three? What are we talking about? Like, this is the Bruins. This was the best chance I've ever seen of any team winning a Stanley Cup. It was this year. The team that's bitched you every single year at Tampa, they're out. You don't got to deal with them. The only team you really have to deal with that you've had any sort of history with that's left is Toronto and like the Bruins can beat Toronto like let's get real and if you want to go through this team like they have they have five top four defensemen they have an MVP on their third line they had Charlie Coyle who was playing like a legit first line center in Patrice Bergeron's absence on your third line they got a cluster of guys that they stuffed on their fourth line who would be top nine forwards on any other team and they have two goalies who you could make an argument could split the Vesna, and they wasted it. They wasted it. They lost in seven to a team that wasn't even in the playoffs two and a half weeks ago. And now we have all these questions going into next year that we were answering that last year. Are Bergeron and Krejci coming back? Do we have to trade Taylor Hall? Is Bertuzzi coming back? What's going to happen with Orlov? Who are we trading the shed cap? People are talking about trading Linus Olmark. And it's like this, like this is, it just, like I woke up this morning and I was like, damn, two days removed. It still feels like I'm living in a dream. Like yeah. I lo- like I just saw a playoff highlight clip from uh, NHL Network and the Bruins were in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. Bruins and Maple. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. <laughs> and it's just it's like it doesn't even feel like it's real because like it it, it shouldn't be. It's hard to grasp. I'm not kidding you. I went to the game on Sunday um, and s- since Sunday night when I got home till now, 
I have probably said maybe 25 words out loud. I have been so emotionally detached from reality since Sunday night. It's like, it's just, it was something so improbable and it happened right before our eyes and we could all see it just crumbling apart in front of us. And but I, it, it, but I, I, I've, I've seen since we're kind of on the topic of Jim Montgomery, I I've seen people calling for his firing and it's like, I understand that you're upset. I understand that every single button that he pushed in the in the postseason was literally the worst decision that you could make. And it pro- his decisions, most likely, not even most likely, his decisions, I would say, directly impacted the series, obviously. But I think they had the biggest impact. Obviously, it's on the players to win the series and go out and perform. But how much of your play is going to be hindered when your coach is making all these decisions. You don't have any stability. You don't know what to expect. Um, All of a sudden everything's thrown into a blender and you kind of don't know where you stand anymore. Frederick's out of the lineup for like two or three games. Nick Foligno's not playing. You don't know who your bottom six forward group is going to be. It's like, it's like at some point in that series, you just got to pick a lineup and stick with it and just go. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we've said, like, Hindsight is 2020, but like when we were all living in the moment, we knew then like this is dumb. <laughs> like, like this is a terrible decision. People were begging for Matt Grizzly to play. What the hell took right. you so long? Uh, even like you can even go back to bringing Bergeron back. Not that Bergeron played poorly, but like, I mean, you were three and one with Charlie Coyle on your top line and, and Bergeron getting healthy. Like you didn't have to rush Bergeron back. And I and I realized that like in the moment, obviously I would have started Bergeron too, but that might be right. a little hindsight thinking, like, you know, what would you do there? But of course, like, you know, everybody was pleading and begging to please start Swayman. And then you look at the lineups every morning and see that Olmark wasn't in the morning skate and you go, Oh, here we go. Omar's yep. going in again. And, you know, we've we've mentioned the lineups like Bergeron and Brad Marchand have been line mates f- since I was in middle school. <laughs> yeah, and no, now, and, and now <laughs> in like the biggest moment of their careers, you're going to switch it up in Bergeron's first game back from injury. You're going to drop Marchand to the third line. It's just like there were so many things that just left you scratching your head. And like you you want answers for it but like you know you're not gonna get them because everybody's gonna say the same thing yeah we messed up we were wrong but it's just it's infuriating when you knew that it was wrong that you knew that all these changes weren't gonna work and you're literally watching the team unfold in real time and there's nothing you can do about it and that's what hurts so bad this is what adds that extra thing so you had this unreal unreal regular season literally unreal like nobody could have predicted it and you know that it's it's potentially the last dance for this team with guys Bergeron, Marshawn, Krejci, that the the core that we all grew up with, and then to have it end like this, in this disastrous way, as Jack Edwards put it, the Hindenburg crash. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's why it hurts extra bad because you don't know if they're going to get another chance like this again, and you set yourself up so perfectly to make a magical deep run for these guys in their in potentially their last season with the team and to have it end in such a disastrous way that feels like it could have been so avoidable by just making the simple play and the simple choice with with your goals in your lineup and and not overthinking every aspect of the of the series 
it, 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 it's it's so frustrating. So yeah. frustrating. And like I understand that we're giving Jim Montgomery a lot of slack right now for overthinking these things, but like the the players were just as bad. Right. I mean, they were trying so hard to get the perfect shot, knowing that Sergey Bobrovsky is kicking rebounds into the Atlantic Ocean. Like, just <laughs> shoot the puck. We saw Pasta's Pasta's goal. That third goal was a very simple. Brandon Carlo carried the puck in, slap shot, pad low. That's a fourth liner move. That's what gets you ice time. And Pasta's right there to bang home the go ahead goal. Bobrovsky yep. start. He started three games ago he's been starting half this series why couldn't we have been doing that then like there were times where like David Krejci distinct I remember this distinctively he got a pass in the slot and he peeled off and waited for like other attacking players shoot the puck and it and it wasn't just like a one period thing or a two period thing it was like five games they could not shoot the puck. The team with the the second highest scoring offense in the NHL, I believe they were top three in shots taken. They might have had the most shots in the league, if I'm being honest with you. They would not shoot the puck. And it was infuriating. And like it was just like lazy, like playoff hockey. Chip the puck, get it deep, hit some guys, grind, grit, get some wins. And that's what the Florida Panthers were doing. And like the Bruins just like let it happened to them like they weren't dumping and chasing they were trying to carry the puck they were they were making a million drop passes they teach you that when you're playing freaking squirts you never do a drop pass sure it looks pretty but it never works and they would do it for like four shifts in a row they're just giving turnovers all over the ice i mean we could have a whole segment about Every single defensive zone turnover that the Bruins had, they would be trapped in their zone for five minutes. They would have a perfect opportunity to get it out. And the defenseman, whoever it was, couldn't get it past the blue line. It would get knocked down. Or they would force a pass to like the the swinging center who has two guys on him. And it's just like screaming at my TV, like open your eyes, like look up. Like what are you, it, like, the, the I don't even know how to explain it. The one that sticks out to me the most is when Bertuzzi was in the corner, he tried to slide it for some reason through the slot to McAvoy, but McAvoy had already dipped below the the goal line, and I forget who picked it up for the Panthers, but it was a legit, like, he was alone in the slot, nobody even near him, and it was a gifted goal. Another one that sticks out is Clifton trying to stretch pass from his own end all the way down through the neutral zone, basically to the opposing blue line, and it's picked off right in the middle, clear breakaway for Florida, and they score. So many times in this series, Florida scored a goal directly off a turnover, and it's as if they never learned. It's like yeah, they yeah. never learned to just it, stop doing that. It almost felt like uh, – like the I, it, like to me, it felt like the Bruins had a certain level of arrogance where it was almost like, mm, yeah, you mm. know, we, we can do this. We're better than you. We're going to come back and win. Right. They got caught in game two. They lost. What was it? Six to three. I think it was. And like fans were kind of like, oh, shit. Like the Bruins looked absolutely horrible last game. The Bruins going to Florida, take care of business. They're up three one game five comes back and and like the Bruins had a shit ton of shots. But like turnovers killed them of course that ended with they had a chance to win it with brad marshall's breakaway they had the turnover behind the net and i don't know like it just felt like throughout the series like you know they would get down by they were down two goals and even i was like this is a shitty position to be in but like i feel like the bruins can come back because they're the bruins and sure enough they did come back and then it just it just feels like they were just play like toying with their prey the whole time 
Like yeah. it just felt like they had like a certain level of air. Like I don't have anything to go off this other than like what my eyes were seeing, but it just felt like, you know, like we can get by with playing some sloppy hockey. We can develop some bad habits because we were, we have 65 wins. And we're playing the Florida Panthers. And I feel like it wasn't until uh, Verhage got that goal in overtime in game seven, where you kind of like look at the players faces and like just the, the shell shock. Yep. was shared in between that entire stadium and all of the players on the Bruins. And it was like, I feel like it still hasn't hit no. for like fans and, and the team alike that like w- we're done, like we're moving on to next year. And I did want to point out too, that um, I've seen people like actually criticizing Don Sweeney. Yeah. He's the, and, he's, for one season for, for the first time ever in his career, he should take zero blame. Yeah, like, I I can't believe that I'm actually defending Don Sweeney, but, like, the job of the GM is to put the best team on the ice, and he literally assembled the Monstars, like, the the best team (laughs) and the the best roster in the history of the league. Like, you had two starting goalies. You had the deepest defensive core in the league. You had, you were four lines deep. He went out and hired Jim Montgomery, who did everything right until the playoffs started, like at, at at some point as a GM, you you put your team together and it's up to the players and the coaches to go out there and perform. And the the team didn't. And that's why they're sitting home right now and Florida's moving on. Yeah. I'm I'm looking through some of the um exit interviews today because um you know that, that the Bruins are done. So everyone's going home, they're packing up their stuff. Today was exit interview day. Um Omark, I'm just gonna pick a couple of them. Um, he, he declined to comment on his injuries. Um, he said, I had full confidence in my abilities every single game. That's the honest truth. Um, asked if he was injured in the playoffs. He said yes and no. So, I mean, I don't even know what that, what the hell does that mean? What does that mean? They're still shell shocked. They don't even in his mind, he's probably laying in his bed right now. He doesn't even know what's going on. He's waiting for the next game. Um, (laughs) wait a long time. Krejci said it's Bruins or retirement. He's not going to play in check again. Um, Bergeron, if this is it, I left everything out there. I'm grateful and I'm thankful, but we're not there yet, so we'll see. Um, Dmitry Orlov, this is all from Ty Anderson, by the way. Um, Dmitry Orlov really loved being in the Bruins room. He was quoted as saying, not to say Washington was bad, but I love hockey. It was good to have that feeling again. Uh, Bergeron said he wasn't sure if he would. He Bergeron said he wasn't sure if he would have retired had the Bruins won the cup this year. So I mean, if you you can take that and say he's at least thinking about next season, he he might be back next year. And I I, I can't see him retiring after what just happened. There's there's no way. Yeah, I mean, I I don't th- I feel like he's gonna come back, but like. I mean, there's only so much heartbreak a guy can take. <laughs> like Bergeron, but at this end. Not only heartbreak, but only so many injuries that a yeah. single person's body can take. It seems like every player, I mean, I know every player is fighting through something in the playoffs, but every year, like, it's something asinine. Like, what did he have, like, a herniated disc in his back or something like that? Yeah, and he, he said that it did happen in game 82. Um, it was a freak injury, but the, the main thing that he said about that is that everybody in the Bruins room was on the same page about him playing that game. So if you're a fan out there and you're criticizing Bergeron, for playing in that game. I mean, if you're criticizing him, you're criticizing the whole team. Everybody was on the same page. So yeah, you can get over it. At the end of the day, it's a stupid argument because they were up three, one without him. 
So right. like cl- clearly they didn't need him to beat the Florida Panthers, but no, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, this team's going to look so different next year. Like that's the hardest yep. part. Like yep. this, like this team is like, I'm not even saying this cause I'm a Bruins fan. I'm sure I've said it before, but I've, I've truly never seen a team constructed like this. Like no. they're, they're, they're perfect. <laughs> like in every essence of the word, like they have, they have a, a the, the greatest two way defensive forward of all time. And yep. he's also a phenomenal leader. They they finally have a pure goal score. I can't tell you the last time the Bruins had a pure goal score, a guy who had 60 goals this year. They got your dirt bags. They got three or four of them, right? Marshawn, Bertuzzi, uh, Hathaway. They got your puck moving defensive defenseman, the small mobile guys. They got a couple Mack trucks back there who can put some guys in their asses. They got stay-at-home defensemen. They got offensive guys. They got two of the you know, two top five goalies in the NHL. Like this team was so beautifully constructed and like the way that it's, it's built too. like, this is a team that's just supposed to wear other teams out, you know, just grind them down because they can, they can reliably put out four lines and like to think that like this masterpiece of a team is probably going to get a little gutted next year. Like, it sucks. It hurts. A lot, dude, they're going to get a lot gutted. So speaking of the contracts right now, uh, I'm going to read off the UF pending UFAs, pending RFAs. Um, Mel, if you could do me a favor while I'm doing this, can you look up how much um, salary cap room the Bruins have going into next season? And we got to remember too, the Bruins have a four and a half, four point three million dollar cap penalty going into next season. So whatever the number is, you got to take 4.3 away. So the, Pending free agents on the team, Dmitry Arlov, Patrice Bergeron, Tyler Bertuzzi, Nick Felino, Thomas Nosek, Garnet Hathaway, um, Trent Frederick, RFA, Jeremy Swayman, RFA, Connor Clifton, David Krejci. Um, those are the key guys. And then you got Mark McLaughlin, RFA. He'll be he'll be qualified. Lauko is an RFA. Um Chris Magner is a UFA, but that doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> but you, you're going to have to sign a lot of these guys. I mean, and you're going to have to find a way to make it work with the cap. You're going to lose a bunch of key guys. Um, there's a lot of speculation. There's there's people out there calling maybe Brad Marchand gets traded. Taylor Hall, maybe he gets traded. People are starting to say maybe Linus Olmark uh, or Jeremy Swayman. It's it's not a good situation for the Bruins this offseason. You're gonna it's gonna be a different team next year. Yeah, it's uh I still can't even really like wrap my head around it. Like they're like Sweeney's gonna have to make some really hard choices. And let's not yeah. forget, like the Bruins, because of the trades that they made to design this what I thought was a beautifully crafted team, they don't have a, a first round draft pick for like three years. They nope. don't they're they're missing some picks coming up. Um, I was looking to see how much cap space they have next year. This one website said they have like ten and a half million. I don't know if that's true. Well, the Detroit pick that we gave up for Bertuzzi and Orlov or not Orlov, um, Bertuzzi and who the hell else do we get in that Bertuzzi? Garnet, Garnet. No, just Bertuzzi. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the the twenty whatever pick that we gave up the first round pick it's top 10 protected so if we have a really shit year next year and we're a top 10 pick then hey we get it back but that's true what what i'm terrified though is is that the and 
like I don't I don't think this will happen, but it could. I don't want them to get caught in that like middle area where right. you're too good to get a high pick, but but bad enough for like you don't make the playoffs. You're yeah, and, you're like you get like the seventeenth or eighteenth pick, you miss playoffs, you, yeah. you on a lottery team, you're just kind of middling. It's it's purgatory for for a franchise. And yep. like looking at like this Bruins roster moving forward, like some of these names that they're gonna have to ship out just to make shit work to try and build a, a capable roster, like you're gonna see some guys move and I don't know. I mean, we didn't think that they were going to, we had a whole argument about if they were going to make the playoffs heading into <laughs> this year. So like, I don't want to make any predictions that they're going to miss the playoffs next year. Cause I think that they'll still make it, but like moving yeah. forward, I, like that's what I fear is that, you know, the, the they don't have they they don't suck enough to get a good pick, but they're also too good to be a hype or they don't suck. En- I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah. My mind is still flustered. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. But did you? Did, how much cap room do they have? This said ten and a half. Ten and a half if going that, into next season. That doesn't feel right to me. No, it you know, doesn't. Let, let me go look at. Let me go look at the Bruins cap on Twitter. He's a great follow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but either way, I mean, the Bruins are going to have to. Ma- if you want to re-sign Bertuzzi, someone's leaving. Someone. Oh yeah. A, a key guy is leaving. Whether it's Marshawn, whether it's Hall. The Bruins have four point nine million dollars of cap space. For next season, this is uh, Bergeron a UFA, Bertuzzi UFA, Trent Frederick making one point one five as an RFA, Felino, Nosek, Hathaway, Krejci UFAs, Lauko's making about seven eighty five on a RFA, Orlov UFA, Clifton UFA, Swayman's a restricted free agent. I mean, my God, Orlov's gone. I have no faith in Orlov. Bertuzzi is the one guy I think they might be able to get. Um, okay. But- Let's let's do this. I mean, how much okay. do you think Bertuzzi's going to get? Five, maybe well, five right and a there. half. <laughs> if you want to sign Bertuzzi, you're going to have to send somebody out of here. Just oh just yeah, oh yeah. Just you, to start, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a Taylor Hall or or if you can find a way to shed, you can definitely shed Forbert. Forbert's making about three mil. Some team will take that contract. He's not a bad player. Um, Taylor Hall is a 15 team no trade list. People would be takers on Brad Marchand, but that would hurt like hell losing him, especially yeah. if, Bar- if Bergeron comes back. Um, if Bergeron comes back, I don't think you lose Marchand. But if Bergeron doesn't come back, buy Marchand, um, buy Hall. I mean, oh my God. If if Bergeron, the difference in what this team's direction will be this offseason, reg- whether Bergeron comes back, or whether or not he comes back is going to be like night and day. If he doesn't come back, you're going to see key guys be shipped off left and right. If he stays, you're going to see some surgical cap. Oh yeah. Moves. I'm hoping like, that like people would be willing to, I don't know, take a discount or something to come here, <laughs> but uh, this isn't basketball. But if you were, so if you were to try to make cap space, the sign Bertuzzi, and make some off-season plays. You think that uh, Taylor Hall will be at the top of your list to to move in terms of like big chunk guys, not including Forbert, because I think I think that's kind of a writing's on the wall with him. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I would because then you can Bertuzzi automatically takes Hall's spot. You 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 shed that cap, and then you automatically have that guy who can take Taylor Hall's spot. You know, what do you say to to the idea of 
of I hate to say it, but of of trading Olmark. I'm not entirely against it, but it would have to be for the for the right return. Like you got to yeah. set yourself up with that trade because you got to think you got Swayman. Um, you got Bussy coming up. If Bussy's ready to play that backup role, then you're you gotta you gotta roll the dice. And this is what I mean, though. It's like, do I want that to happen? Absolutely not. I don't want that to happen. But if you're looking at this team's direction and their future with all the guys that they have on the team right now, you got a one A one B goalie tandem. Swayman could be the starter next season. You could get a haul for Linus Allmark. That could bring you a future, a future first line center. It's it's now, like you gotta make these choices as much as it would suck to see. And I'm not advocating for it, but you know, part of me, part of me wonders too what they can get for Omar. Like you were talking about, because like I, I understand the year that he just had, but he is 30 now, and he does he have hip problems? I mean, what the hell was his injury during the playoffs? I mean, right? What was his I injury? Mean, that, that would scare me if if I was a team trading for him, thinking about how much the Bruins could get. But either way, I mean, if if right. like you said, like if Bergeron doesn't come back and, and this Bruins team goes, all right, maybe we can kind of do a little rebuild here. I mean, if they play their cards right, they have some really valuable players here that could really set them up in terms of whether it be draft picks or young players. I mean, like you said, Omar can still get you quite a haul back. I mean, the right team for Taylor Hall. I mean, the guy's 31. I mean, he's he's that's the kind of player that guys want heading into the playoffs, a player like Taylor Hall. I mean, he could probably get you something come like trade deadline if they were to ship him out then. But that's the problem is that like a lot of these moves have to be made in the offseason just to like construct the roster. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be voicing my opinion on Twitter just like other people, but I am the only thing that I can say that I'm looking forward to um Bruins wise right now is to see what happens with this roster whether it be good or bad I just I want to know who's going and who's staying yeah and it's it's weird because for the first time in my life I trust Don Sweeney to make the right moves and the right choices (laughs) I was thinking the same thing it feels so weird but But it's, it's also weird too though because if you look back at his track record he has a good track record it's just the it's it literally it's it's just a to harken back if that's even a word to to the one thing that killed him it's 2015 we don't have to dive into it but without that he has a a plus track record with everything else but part of that I think is the reason that that it worries me because like if if you're shipping these guys off you're not going to be getting like players in their prime like who he's been trading like you're, you're not going to trade to get a taylor hall you're not right. going to trade to get a number two so you're going to be trading to get these young pieces that are going to set your franchise up for the future and that's what he struggled at is drafting these young guys so part of me does worry if he's able to identify um these young players that are available in trade, whether it be if you're trading a Taylor Hall, don't get the wrong guy back. If you're trading a Linus Olmark and you do get a draft pick, you need to make sure you hit on it. Cause if you trade Linus Olmark for like a couple of firsts or whatever you might get for him, and then you whiff on those picks, oh boy, <laughs> would that look yeah. bad? So that's the only thing that I'm worried about. But see, now I want to say I don't want him to trade for draft picks. I would rather him get young talent that can instantly be infused into either Providence or the Bruins roster. I, I would rather not have draft picks because then you're waiting. Then you then you got to hope you pick the right guy. You got to wait a couple of years for them to develop. Get a prospect who's been drafted and has been developing for a little bit now and see if they can 
not immediately help your lineup, but at least within the next year or so, you know, so you're not waiting. Um, but either way, with the whole Linus Allmark trade speculation, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm 50-50 on it. It makes sense, but at the same time, it doesn't make sense. And it all depends on on the direction of Bergeron and Krejci and, and a whole bunch of other ex- external factors. So Yeah, I, I, like, I feel like you, you totally hit the nail on the head. Like Bergeron is he's the first domino to fall. If if Bergeron stays, I think that Sweeney's going to do whatever he can to keep the majority of these guys around doing whatever cap maneuvering he can. But I feel like you're right when you said if if Bergeron calls him up, he's like, listen, man, I'm I'm hanging him up. I'm done. I feel like it's going to be some dark times. You're going to see some popular names heading out of town, and that is going to break my heart again. Yep. Yep. And it would suck to see all that happen and the, the team collapse after the season. It would. Uh, oh, my God. It to would... think about how in like a three month span, we can go from like w- our collective feeling about this team following game 82 to like two and a half, three months later, like this team could be absolutely gutted and we yep. have nothing to show for it. And no. that is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Hey, well, at this point, we're about halfway through the episode. I want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by the Cano Wellness Company. So let's talk about the amazing Cano Wellness Company. Cano Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Cano Sleep, Cano Mend, Cano Fresh, and Cano Boost. It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts and four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the Canada Wellness Company to support high performance. So Mel, let's talk about each product. Cannon Boost gives you the ability to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before you work out when studying for an exam and other times you'd increase clarity, stamina, and concentration. Cannon provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. This unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Cannon Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Cannon Fresh take the edge off without making you drowsy or unmotivated. Can of Sleep is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid, which is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in, just spray it, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage and how much sleep you need. If you want to try these amazing Cano Wellness all-natural oral sprays, please go to canowellness.com. That is C-A-N-I-wellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That is B-N-G-25 to get 25% off everything on the cannabis.com website. We thank cannabis for sponsoring this episode and our weekly Boston Bruins related podcast. Sully back to you. All right. All right. So I put on Twitter earlier today um, for you guys to ask questions, air your grievances or just share your reactions to the season. And we got a boatload of responses. Hell yeah. So <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to read through some of these. Um, I'm going to try to get through most of them. 
uh, and we'll and we'll just touch on each question, and then with the reactions, we'll I'm gonna read them off all in a row at one point, and we'll have a little segment on that. Um, but we'll do the questions first, and I know we got a couple of voicemails as well. Mm-hmm. well did you, do you want to do the voicemails first, or do you want to do the questions? Yeah, we can get through the voicemails first. I think we have three of them, if I'm not mistaken. People nice. pouring their hearts out. I totally understand. Yeah. Um, let's see. This one is from Sunday night, ten sixteen. Oh, oh so, boy! Oh boy! Oh, immediate post loss reaction. Literally with- immediate. Yeah, let's hear what they had to say. Yeah, this is uh, V from Connecticut. Just want to say it's wild to uh, use this loss to discount the season. It was an amazing record-setting year without pain on a nightly basis. Uh, can't let a tough go discredit the incredible achievement of Bergeron this season. And uh, just hope he's back. But if he's not, a legend forever. All right, thanks. How do you how do you feel about? Because I've been seeing. A, a bit of an argument online of people talking about if if this season, if this playoff loss kind of wipes away this whole season, or if you're able to celebrate them differently. I wanted to hear your stance on that. Whenever I think about this season, I'll remember the regular season fondly, but then it's just immediately going to remember be remembered as just fucking disappointment and, <laughs> and sadness. Like the, that's the thing. The whole you can't think about this season in a positive light anymore. It's like it's like yeah, they were they were such a good team, but then just everything fell apart. Like yeah, just thinking about everything. Like I, I don't th- I honestly I don't think I've ever been like like so proud of a team. Like so I, I all year, man, right. I was so proud to be a Bruins fan. Like every single team in the league. 31 other teams in a league were looking up at you and they knew it too. And every team, it, it, like nobody was saying, usually when there's a team that's running away with everything, everybody's like, Oh man, like wait till we meet him in the playoffs. We're going to shut him up. Like Leafs fans were like, Oh shit, man, I don't want the Bruins. Lightning's fans were like, Oh man, we don't want to play that. Like nobody wanted to see the Bruins and like to, to, like and you and I might be in the minority about this. I don't care. I don't give a shit about the sixty-five wins anymore. Honestly, like I could, I could seriously care less. Like every every time you look at like these records, it, you will always be known as the team that had sixty-five wins and what was it, one hundred and thirty-three points and Sick. lost in the first round. Yeah, like that. Like to this day, that. That Tampa Bay Lightning team won back-to-back Stanley Cups after they had that disastrous 2019 first-round playoff when they had the previous record of 63 wins and got swept, and we still shit on them for it. Like, like they let out the biggest collective sigh of relief when the Bruins finally took the throne of the biggest choker when this happened. And I saw people, too, saying that they don't know if, if you know, don't call them chokers. It might be too strong of a word. Like, I don't know what else to call. I don't know. I don't know. Is, like, is it too strong? That might be too weak of a word. Yeah, it like so, it was so bad. <laughs> like, like to your to your point too. Like, sixty five wins is amazing, and right. like it it is an incredible achievement for this team, and it's great that they're in the history books. But like, I I don't know how it's possible to to differentiate to to remove the playoff collapse from what they did during the regular season. At least for so, me. So you see that picture behind you of the high school team, the, the team I do. photo? Let them okay. know. Okay. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, let's we not were, talk about that. We were so bad. <laughs> but 
when you look at the Bruins team photo of this season, you're going to look at that photo and be like, God damn. It's like the, it could be on the Twitter account, hockey images that like unprecedented of what is it? The, the hockey images that have unprecedented that that, that proceed on, um, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. You know what I'm saying, but you're you're gonna look at that team and you're gonna be like, "Oh my god!" Like they'd have no idea what what's about to happen to them. They have yeah. no idea, and yeah. it's just I'm gonna forever look back at the season as as a year of unbelievable events for I don't know six or seven months, and then just a burning fiery crash ending that nobody saw coming and it's you're never going to be able to shake that feeling it's it's the it's i would argue it's worse than tampa bay in 2019 just because of how dominant you were all season long throughout the year and and you're just always going to remember this team as as choke artists there's no other word there's no other word i'm sorry yeah i mean like those six to seven months of the regular season were wonderful. It was euphoria. There was nothing but bliss and rainbows and sunshine. And like, it was a dream. It It was a dream that turned into the darkness and nightmare. Yeah. And it wasn't just like this one game ruined it for me. It was all seven because that Bruins team that we watched play all seven games against the Florida Panthers. I don't think there was a single game that I watched them and thought, yeah, this is a team that just won 65 games. No, like they look like shit the whole series and they got caught for it. And that's why, like for me, like if you were to go down in that locker room and ask any player on the Bruins, like, hey, man, I know you just lost game seven, but you got to feel good about the 65 wins, right? Man, you would leave that locker room with a couple of missing teeth because nobody like it's 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 really cool to have if the Bruins made it to like the Eastern Conference finals and lost. Okay, you know, you were one of the final four teams. Of course, you play to lift the Stanley Cup at the end of the year. But that is so much better than this disaster class that happened that it's it leaves a permanent stain on the, on the season for me. I can't, every time, like you said, I see a photo or a video or anything related to the season at all, I do exactly what you do when I go, oh man, if only they knew. If only gonna, they knew it, what was coming their way. It's gonna, every time I see a highlight from this season, it's just, it's like, it's, I'm not going to be able to watch it without thinking like, God damn it. That is such a wasted year, such a wasted year. And honestly, like the part that kind of pisses me off too is like the Twitter banter, like man, like Bruins fans, we had it so good this year. We didn't even realize you could say anything you wanted to any fan of any team in the league. And there's nothing they could say. I had so many tweets bookmarked of people saying, yeah, but the Bruins are going to blow it in the first round like they do every year. And I was like, man, I can't wait to get this guy. And they were right. And yeah. and like forever until the end of time, that's just that people will always have that bullet in their metaphorical chirp gun that they can always say, yeah, you know, this happened to our team, this happened to that team, but at least we weren't the greatest team in NHL history just to lose in the first round. And that yeah, is a cap that the Bruins will always have to wear. That's never going away ever. Yeah. Until oh, the day that we all die, that is forever going to Yeah. The only dogs. way it can go away is if they win a couple of cups in a row, right? Because yeah. Tampa Bay won back-to-back cups and did they win their first one before they had that collapse or have they won but, three since? But, but I, um, I think two, but um, the difference is, 
that the whole core that got swept by Columbus is still there. The core yeah. that lost this year in the fashion that they did isn't going to be here in two years. Yeah. So it's like, so that, that's why I'm so pissed off because this is on Bergeron's legacy. This is on Marshawn's legacy. This is on David Krejci's legacy. And and it's going to forever haunt them. It's going to stain, it's going to stain their, their, their careers. Yeah, the discourse is already starting to. I've already seen some wild takes about Bergeron's yeah. legacy. Adam, I'm not Adam, even gonna Adam Jones. Yeah, Adam, not even Adam gonna Jones him can day. he? Yeah, don't even. Um, yeah, we're not gonna mention it, but he can. Yeah. He can take his takes and throw them in the he toilet. Can, and he can kick him. rocks. Yeah. We got an, <laughs> we got another voicemail Sunday night at 10:41 p.m. This is also another Bruins fan who was uh, probably just staring in disbelief at their TV like the rest of us were. This was on Sunday. Uh, Yes, yeah, Sunday night, oh boy. 10, 41 p.m. Oh boy. McLaughlin, I think McLaughlin could get, you know, some bottom six minutes. Lauko is for sure staying. Um, I saw Roger. a lot of people tweeting about that uh, Georgie Merkulov, whatever his yeah. name is, the Russian guy. Yeah, Merkulov. Uh, pe- people are pretty excited about him, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, all the UFAs that he listed. I mean, we were talking about a little earlier. I, I truly, I have no idea. I like, I don't even have an answer for you. Because it all starts with Bergeron. And I think if Bergeron comes back, I don't know, Sweeney does what he can to bring some guys back to re-sign some UFAs. But I, I mean, I think you can knock some out of the park, right? Some some easy ones. Like, would you want to bring Nick Felino back? <clears throat> I don't know. Honestly, I, if, if Bergeron doesn't come back, I would like to bring Nick Felino back. I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. Nick Felino. What are you laughing at? I don't know. I have a weird. I have a case of the giggles right now. <laughs> uh, Nick Felino. The thing that sucks about him is that it was his last. It was his last chance, I think, to really, to really get his name on the cup. Poor guy, man. And to lose like this. I don't know, man. 
I, I don't know if he comes back because do you really want that many older veterans in your lineup next season? Bergeron's going to be 38. Krejci, I'm not sure exactly his age, but he's going to be 38, I think. Felino, yeah. Yeah, Felino, he's going to be 36, 37. Like, do you really want that many older guys in your lineup again? The only reason I would want to bring Nick Felino back is from uh, a leadership role. You know, like like the way that he the the influence he had over the bottom six and the uh, I don't know the right term. I mean, he's Uncle Nick. Like you could tell he has he has a voice in that locker room and guys respect what he has to say. And losing Bergeron would be a monumental loss for that team, for the culture, from a leadership standpoint. Um, Even if you have a bunch of young guys who might make this roster next year, who seem probably pretty realistic with the amount of players you might see heading out, like you might need uh, a veteran forward who's worn the C in his chest for like six years in Columbus. Like you might need that guy in your locker room because you're losing your guy in Bergeron, potentially. You're losing your guy in Krejci, potentially. And that would be the role that I would want Nick Felino to, to 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 fill if they were to bring him back. I wouldn't sign him to give him like top nine minutes. No, like, and I would hope that he would want to come back on like a sub million dollar contract would be perfect. But I don't know. I really don't know. But what I'm curious to see is what happens with Trent Frederick because he's an RFA. I and know. There's going to be some teams interested. I bet you St. Louis is going to go hard for him. And of course, I, as an RFA, the Bruins can match at what any contract that he's offered. If they have the cap space to do it, yeah. Ah, oh, shit! It always comes yeah. back to that cap space. <laughs> it does. It does. It's 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 something serious that the Bruins and Sweeney are gonna have to really like. They're gonna have to do some serious roster surgery and salary cap surgery for this team if they want to keep some of these guys who are UFAs and RFAs. It's it's. I don't think it's gonna be the prettiest offseason. Yeah, I don't either. And like a lot of these guys too. Like even these guys. Like we're talking about like kind of bottom of the barrel guys, third and fourth line guys, um, Nick Felino, Trent Frederick, Garnet Hath- even Garnet Hathaway. Like, I don't want to see these guys play for anybody else, man. Like, and these are like these are guys that don't get big minutes. I know Trent Frederick could moving forward, depending on what happens with some some of your second line guys, but it's just it's such a like a we like I'm 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 looking at the cap screen right now, still in disbelief that this is what we we're having this conversation right now. Because it, for every reason you've already said, it's this is stupid. We have another, <laughs> we have another voicemail. This is from today at six eighteen. This is from Ethan. You can follow him on so Ethan. Uh, I guess he's Ethan one right? If uh, or other he, Ethan's Ethan two He's OG Ethan. Yeah. This is uh, you can follow him on Twitter at emoriartywx. This is what Ethan said. He also uh, texted me to preface that uh, his voicemail did cut off at the end. So if all of a sudden he stops talking, that's why. <laughs> right. Oh, crap. Hang on. What's up, boys? Uh, this is a call that I'm not sure I wanted to make, but here we are. Uh, it's your boy, Ethan. Where to start? Um, I don't want to be too much of a Monday morning quarterback here, but obviously I think the main thing that I want to get across is that Bergy and uh, Crutcho deserved way better. I mean, that, that goes without saying, I think. But I think um, I'm going to try to make this as positive as possible and not try to sulk 
too, too much on what could have been done differently. Obviously, you know, you look at the goaltending situation, but ultimately I think the, uh, the hype of the year kind of was too much pressure. Um, you know, Boston's a rabid market, you know, look at the, the media and, you know, the fan base, extremely passionate. So obviously that's going to weigh on some of the people. And I think some of our top performers let that get to them a little bit too much. So that's kind of what I want to say for looking back, but looking forward, I think, um, I think this will lead to some dog mentality. You know, uh, you got Florida last year. They were the president's trophy winner. And what ended up happening? They freaking <laughs> they got smoked in the second round. And you know, here we are, president's trophy winner. And the curse continues, right? But, you know, if we've seen what Florida made of it since then, you know, maybe that's something to look forward to. Maybe new blood to step up, take new roles, that kind of thing. Um I think we got to start trading for some for some future assets and kind of start looking long term. I know it's kind of tough now, but that might be moving some pieces uh, that might be tough to, to tough as fans. But you know, it's, that's the nature of the business. And I still think we might be a playoff team this year and this upcoming year, I should say, twenty twenty four. I mean, maybe obviously a regression in the regular season, but let's hope that some lessons are learned in this younger leadership group. You know, in McAvoy, Coyle, and, and Pasternak, um, you know, kind of use this as fuel for the fire. We saw it in Tuchuk, you know, how it ended for him in Calgary and coming down to Florida. We saw it, you know, in guys like Blad and Gudis, you know, guys that, you know, wanted to prove a point. So I think um, this is going to be fuel for the fire next year. And I got to say, one last closing note. I'm glad it happened in the first round because from what I saw from this team, if, you know, it stayed 3-2 and we went on to the second round, we would have been killed by the Leafs. And I think I'd much rather a Florida loss than a Leafs loss. So, anyway, boys, keep up the great podcast. You guys have been killing it all season. Love you all. And uh, until next time, our free agent. And there <laughs> it is. <laughs> the end. He's, um, honestly, he's right. I had the thought today that – this loss, at least for the younger guys, is going to absolutely light a fire. <laughs> it's gonna light a fire in their in their in their will to play the game. And the next time next season rolls around, they're gonna have something to play for. They're gonna have an anger that's not even gonna be matched by anything else. It's if 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 there's a silver lining in any of this, it's that. It's that the younger guys have this pissed off mentality coming into the next season, and hopefully they just they they just bully the rest of the league. Yeah, and I wish I had the quote in front of me, but um, Makachuk had a quote talking about you know how they were the pre- Florida was the President's Trophy winner last year, and they fell short, and that that team kind of uh recognized although Makachuk wasn't there last year but that team right. kind of recognized you know what what that feeling was and they kind of harnessed it and used it as fuel this year because you know you never know what's going to happen and I think that Ethan's right and you're right as well that the Bruins can take this as a learning moment for a lot of these younger guys and the part that kind of sucks though that that kind of hits me with that quote was like 
a, a lot of these guys were on that 2019 team that lost the cup. Like some of these, court, like, like Brad Martian was there. Krejci was there. Bergeron was there. McAvoy was there. Like you had some guys that know what it feels like to get all the way to the end and fall short. And I was hoping that that would help, you know, propel this team through the playoffs because like, that's what you look for. You know, you want those guys in your locker room. That's why Orlov was so much more than just a top four defenseman. That's a guy who's won the Stanley cup before. And like, we've said it a thousand times, like the fall short and the fashion that they did sucks, but we've, we've done enough of negative talk this episode and I'm going to like, I'm going to harness Ethan's energy and let's turn this into a positive thing. He's like, they can, right. use this as, they can use this as a learning as a le- learning moment because, as he said, of course, last year, Florida winning the President's Trophy. Coming in this year, nobody thought they had a shot, and they actually did the thing. I mean, I know they're still kind of scaling the mountain because they got Toronto next round, but um, the Bruins can take a lot from this. They can learn a lot from this. Um, they have some guys coming in next year, and let's see what they can do. I mean, even, you know, just because they're – they, they might squeak into the playoffs like a seven or eight seed. It's not the kiss of death, right? Uh, Florida just showed you that. You don't have to be the one seed to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, the LA Kings back in 2012, 2012 uh, they were the eighth seed. And they went, to, I believe it was 16 and four on their way to sweeping the Stanley Cup. All that matters is you get in. So, right. you know, we've talked about it. This Bruins team, they're going to have some players that are going to have to go, whether it be not resigning UFAs or shipping some guys out. But all they got to do is get in and they have a chance. And the Florida Panthers just proved that. So, yeah. I'm no. fired up now. Yeah, he's right too. Honestly, if if uh, if they have the right mentality, that's how they should be taking it. So, but um, that was the last voicemail. So, um, I want to jump into the questions, and the this question slash grievance part of the podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. If you are a betting man, a betting woman out there, the hockey's still going on. The NHL playoffs is a great time to be gambling on sports. Um, it's exhilarating. It's also depressing, but um, <laughs> depending on depending on how your bets go, but if you do, if you do gamble, um, please go to fanduel.com slash Boston, uh, sign up through that. You get you great, great benefits through FanDuel and they're a very easy website to use for your uh, gambling experiences, whether they're good or bad, but we're going to jump into these questions now. Um, this first one comes from Dan Walsh. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Walsh13. He said, I believe I believe Bergeron is coming back. They should do what's needed to bring Bertuzzi back. Trade candidates. Grizzlick, Forbert, Mike Riley, Taylor Hall, Linus Hallmark, Trent Frederick. Thoughts? Mel, I'll start with you. Grizzlick, um, I would like to see Grizzlick stay. I would too. Top, top four defenseman. I, want, I just like please let him play with McAvoy. What do I have don't, to do? Don't separate. I know we're not analytics people, but analytically, the Grizzlick McAvoy pairing is a top ten pairing in the league, league wide. Yeah. They're a top and ten pairing. They also pass the eye test. So yes, I would. That's the I most would, important part. Yeah, I would. I would keep. Grizzly, if you can, I understand that's going to be hard. Forbert, um, if it if it was possible and within league rules, I would have traded him before game one started. But I understand you can't do that, so I'm totally fine with the Bruins moving on from him in the offseason. 
What, what he mentioned Taylor Hall too, right? Yep, Mike Riley, Linus Hallmark, and Frederick. I think I think it's it's if you want to re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi, I th- I seriously think you're going to have to send Taylor Hall out of here. And if if that's what that means, then I'm okay with it. It sucks yeah. because I really like Taylor Hall, and he just he's a great Bruin, but. I mean, if, if, if it's an upgrade, if you're keeping Bertuzzi, he's younger. He already yep. has phenomenal chemistry with David Pasternak. And I think we mentioned it last episode. There's no way in hell you're paying your third line left winger five plus million dollars, which is what Bertuzzi would make. Or if you bump Taylor Hall down to the third line, that's six mil. So I think that's an easy, unfortunate cap casualty. Linus Olmark. I don't know, man. I'm with you on this. I'm kind of 50-50. Yeah. Like, I don't want the Bruins to trade. Linus Olmark, but at the same time, people who are expecting Linus Olmark to have a season next year, like what he just did this year, are batshit crazy. There's no way in hell. So, like, you're going to see regression from Olmark next year. So, part of me wants the Bruins to cash in on that right now while they while they still can, because it's it's not really a drop off going from Olmark to Swayman. Swayman's considerably younger. Um, he's I mean, I hate to say it. He has better playoff success than Omar does at this point. And he's made, he's make, he cost $5 million less. I know, I believe he's an RFA. So that number is going to go yep. up, but still that's besides the yep. point. Um, Trent Frederick, do whatever you can to keep him. I think that the Bruins are going to end up keeping him. I'm just a little worried of what it's going to cost because he had a phenomenal year that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And he really showed a lot of his skill set. He's more than just a guy who can piss you off. I mean, he had almost 20 goals this year. He's a big guy. He's versatile. He can play center. He can play wing. I don't know, man. It's it's a weird spot to be in. Yeah, of that list, uh, Forbert, yes. Grizzlick, no. Mike Riley, please, God, somebody take him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Hall, yes, if that means you're re-signing Bertuzzi. Allmark, God damn it. I don't know. If it gets you back the right return and you can roll Swayman and Bussy hey, next year. Yeah. Gun to your head. Okay. Team's offering you two firsts for Linus Allmark, yes or no? No. What would it well, cost? I would want, I don't want picks. I want players that can impact your lineup right now because you have a good lineup. You're just, yeah, you're fair. just, you're just missing pieces. Um, also, it depends on what teams are giving you those picks, though. If they're like guaranteed top 10, both of them, then yes, cautiously, yes, <laughs> but, but yes. Um, uh, Trent Frederick, I hope not do everything you can to keep him, but if the if the price starts to get outrageous and you know it's an overpay, then you might just have to walk away from that one. Um, that one would hurt a lot. Yeah, that one would hurt. That one would hurt. He was three goals away from being a 20 goal scorer. He was he just fit into the he was he was starting to fit into his role in this team. I feel like if he played consistently in the playoffs, things might be a little bit different. Even he's um, like one of like four forwards on this team that was like homegrown too, other than right. like Pasta Krejci, Marshawn, Bergeron, Debrusque, and, and Debrusque, and then I think it's just Trent Frederick, right? Yeah, no sex. Yeah. No, nope. yeah. no, no. Hathaway, Hall, no. Hall, Hathaway. no. Coil, Rear. no. 
Yeah, for that reason alone, you got to keep them. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, all right, so this next one comes in from Slapshot Sweethearts. Uh, you can follow them at on Twitter at SS, well, at S Sweethearts Pod. Um, they're an NHL and PHF news and banter hockey podcast. Are you going to say by, SS Weedhearts? Yeah, I was hosted by <laughs> hosted by Shannon Walsh. You can follow her at S Walshy sixty three. Um, they ask first off, well, they ask females in hockey. Second, the Bruins didn't play like they wanted to win. They're supposed to be the hitters. The league has modernized, but they got pushed around and hit into the boards that game seven. For Montgomery to say they're nervous on camera is bad. Agree? Disagree? Wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly. We were, talk- we were talking about game one and two. They were getting it taken to them physic- physically, and they were like, you could tell the Panthers were living in their head, and yeah. it should have been the other way around. And I would say it wasn't. It wasn't just that game seven. It was games one through seven. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like game seven and a couple other games, it was definitely more evident. But like, I, I, I don't think I've seen a team throughout the regular season throw the Bruins off of their game as much as the Florida Panthers just did. Agreed. Um, so shout out to them. Give them a follow if you if you can. Um, I'm going to be listening to their podcast pretty soon. Check it out. But. Uh, this next one comes in from Mark Mark Allred, um, the heart and soul of BNG. You can follow him on Twitter at blackandgold277. He said, losing in the first round after a record-breaking year is never easy to handle as a hockey fan. But where was the heart and the leadership that got this team in the playoffs? It's frustrating, but I'm not losing my mind like so many others who want the coach fired or anything. True. <laughs> You don't fire Montgomery. We I know we went on a tangent earlier about Montgomery, but we never said fire him. We just mm-hmm. said we just questioned his decision. We just said what the hell, man. Yeah, we said what what happened to the Jim Montgomery we had all year? <laughs> and and who is this new guy behind the bench? But um to his question, where was the heart and leadership that got this team in the playoffs? Mel, I'll start with you. I don't know. And that's the frustrating part. Like this, seriously, like this team is is littered with leaders. I mean, like Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Brad Marchand, Charlie Coyle, uh, Nick Foligno. Yeah. Hell, even like Charlie Coyle is like a leadership guy. Did I say Charlie Coyle or Charlie McAvoy earlier? Either way, both of them. Either way, like like they have leaders, like veterans, guys, Dmitry Orlov, like guys who have lifted the cup, guys who have been there. Compared yep. to the Florida Panthers and their their motivating factor was we won the President's Trophy last year, lost. We know what that feels like. Let's use the energy into this year. Where the Bruins had like we have a bunch of core guys who are thirty plus who have been around the league for a while, who have made deep playoff runs, and like it's just it to think that like the team failed them. It's just it's I don't even. I sound like a broken record. I don't even know what's coming out of my mouth because I feel like I've exhausted every single thing I could possibly say about how brutally disappointing this was, but it looked like the Bruins were lacking a leader personally. And it, and I really didn't realize it honestly until Mark brought it up, but it's just another disappointing thing to add on top of this disappointing Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you can, I think, I think it hurt. Not having Bergeron in those first two games too. 
the leadership was missing in the first two, even though they were one on one in those first two games. Or did he play game three? I forget. It was so he long didn't ago. come back till game five. Oh shit! Okay. Um. So, which is why it was crazy because they're up three to one without him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it just seems like the whole team just there was no leadership in any regard. It's yeah. like the whole team just collapsed. And that's why it's so frustrating because it's not like you can point your finger at one player. Like like the goal, like Lena Somark didn't play well. The defense, McAvoy didn't play well. Lindholm didn't play well. Honestly, the only defense who played well was the guy who's got a lot of shit this year, Brandon Carlo. I thought he had a great series. The rest of the defensive unit sucked ass. The forwards, like, like Bergeron didn't play great. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi played well. David Postonok had a million turnovers again. Brad Marchand didn't really... I mean, I know he had four apples in, I think, game six, but there were moments where he totally disappeared out there. It's just like... I don't have enough fingers to point. Like, this team... Like, it's just... I don't even know. I still don't know what to say. I keep yeah. coming back to that. No, I mean, at the end of the day, we're... We, like, we're speechless. We're just trying to work... <laughs> we're just trying to work our way through this podcast and yeah. through our emotions. But um, shout out, Mark. Thank you for the question. Um, hey, go give a, if you're listening to this right now, after this episode ends, go to uh, black and gold hockey pod, give their podcast a listen. Um, they're, they're the main podcast under the BNG umbrella hosted by the one and only Mark Allred and Steve Forney. So uh, give them a listen. Um, this next question comes in. Speaking of giving a listen to a podcast, this next question comes in from Only Bruins One, oh. um, the Only Bruins podcast. Um, so follow them on Twitter at Only Bruins One. Um, hashtag No Beer is Safe. But he asks, "Who do you guys point the finger at the most outside of coaching?" Um, I point the finger at. Six of the or six of the seven defensemen who played, and I say, "What the hell?" Yeah, because that's that's like the backbone of of this team all year. I mean, their defense out and their defense has been so strong, and that's one of the reasons why Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swimming had the season that they did was because the, the the Bruins defensive unit was so stout all year. I believe they had they were like second or third in the league in in like total team points from defensemen or some shit like that, and it was a total monumental collapse defensively was brutal and just like we said at the beginning of the episode simple breakouts was like a foreign concept to them and like again i can't single out one person but like the guys you expect to show up every night like mcavoy he had moments where he literally looked like bobby Orr out there like he's wheeling and dealing in the offensive zone and he had moments where he would look like if if i was out there in an (laughs) nhl game and it's like it was I don't know. I would. I would point my finger at all of them. There, uh, I'm. A, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think you can point the finger at one guy. It's more the fundamentals of how they played and and the giveaways and the the inability to break the puck out of the zone cleanly. Um, but if I had to pin, pinpoint one guy, it's so hard. I mean, Jake DeBrusque's production wasn't there. Um, Hampus Lindholm, zero points in seven games. Uh, where the hell did he go? He looked terrible too. Where he did, where did he go? Where did he go? I don't uh, know. I, it, 
it, instead of pointing the finger at one guy, just to make a positive spin zone out of this, if you could pick players who played well, probably Taylor Hall. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi outside of all the giveaways that he had. Yeah, outside of the Bruins side of the ice. Marshan had, I think Marshan had 10 points, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. They, there were a lot of guys who just didn't show up. It was a collective finger pointing is what I would say. Yeah. Finger, if I had, how many guys are on the roster? Like 24. If I had 24 like fingers, that. they would all be pointing at every single one of them. Fingers so, and toes. <laughs> yeah. Fingers, and, you. That's, and that's still not enough. That's still <laughs> not enough. Um, but shout out only Bruins. Um, fucking hell of a podcast. Him, uh, Nick Busa and Brett Howard. Uh, give them a listen to subscribe to their podcast. Subscribe to Black and Gold Hockey Pod. Subscribe to Short Shift. All the BNG, you know, podcasts under that umbrella. Every, every one of the shows is is phenomenal. But uh, but this next uh, this next question comes in from Daniel Price. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel Price ninety two. He said, "Does playing an injured player ever work?" At no. three and one, at three and one in cruising, why change the lineup? Even if we made it through, surely it was only going to make Bergeron's injury worse heading to the Cup final. Now, for for Bergeron, I, 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 again, we've said it ten times. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But for yeah, wait, 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 really quick before we even get into it, you and I had this debate going into Game Five when they were talking about playing Bergeron. Yeah. We both said, we both said don't do it. Yeah, we both yeah, we said, both said wait until you absolutely need him. Yes. And I, like I just like we've said it a thousand times too. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You're up three one without Bergeron, without Krejci. Keep it rolling. Now I understand mm-hmm. like um, Swayman definitely should have started. That I think is inexplicable i don't i don't know how you can possibly defend not going to swayman if you knew that your goalie was started but bergeron i will say on the other hand uh, i can understand starting him it's patrice bergeron he's your captain if he says he's good to go he's playing and like i don't i don't think jim montgomery would be able to tell bergeron no you're not going tonight so like looking back at it now i wish it sounds weird. I kind of wish Bergeron didn't play game five and they stuck with Coyle in the top line center. And I wish that they would have went to Jeremy Swamin and maybe this series could look different, but we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, so now Chris Davis, uh, fellow BNG member, soon to be a BNG podcast host member. Um, but you can follow him on Twitter at Chris J Davis. He actually has two questions. So any names that you could see be moved in the off season, I feel like some difficult decisions are coming and probably some very unpopular ones that we kind of touched on it. Uh, Brad Marchand being one, Taylor Hall being one, Linus Olmark being one. And this is all just um, salary cap casualties is really what it is. Yeah. Even like the, the other guys, not, not the, you know, not the best guys in the roster, but I mean, Matt Grizzlick, you could see him go to clear some space. We were talking about Trent Frederick. He's an RFA. We don't know if they're going to be able to keep him around. So, Yep. It's it's going to be a very different team next year. So Chris's second question, we kind of already touched on this one already, and there might be some semi-repeats in here, but we'll still get through them. Uh, you said, should the Bruins at least consider moving Allmark and re-sign Swayman for the future? I think you have to at least consider it. I, yeah. like I think that Sweeney is honestly doing it a service if he's a kick and tires to see what he can get for him. Right. Because, I mean, if... 
I don't know how hurt Omar is, but if he has like any sort of debilitating hip injury, and I know he's not, you know, 40, but 30 years old hip injury coming off the greatest season a Bruins goalie's ever had. I mean, kick tires, see what you can get for him. And if somebody's coming in, giving you, you know, like you were talking about earlier, a bunch of young players or whether it be draft capital or what might have you, I mean, you already have Swayman there. And and Bussy's a guy a lot of people are excited about. So I don't yeah. know. It's not my call to make. Yeah, uh, you got to at least consider it. You have to. Um, you know, being a GM, you're going to make some really unpopular hard decisions, and that might be one of them. And it's unfortunate, yeah. but it, it might be something that's in the cards. But with that being said, you it's not like it's going to be debilitating. You have Swayman and you have exactly. Bussy. So yeah. there's there's optimism there as well. And even if they wanted to like give some guy a vet minimum to be a backup, I'm I'm sure they could find somebody too. I mean, you don't, it was nice, you know, having Olmark and Swayman for a whole year with the production that they have. But if you could have um, Jeremy Swayman start, you know, 55 games instead of like the 30, whatever games he started with, you know, not as good production as he had last year, but great production. I mean, you'll take that any day of the week. And on top of that, you're saving $5 million. Something yeah. to consider. So this next one comes in from Gail Traiani. Uh, follow her on Twitter at Lady Bruins fan. Uh, she used to work from BNG. She moved on up to Nesson. So yeah. So big congrats to her. Um, we wouldn't be here today without her either. So she, her support and her her commitment to BNG still is so so appreciated and, and extremely valued. But she asks if Bergeron does retire. Do you move Marshand while he has two years left, knowing, um, no, knowing decent if not great pieces can be brought in for him? Oh, oh, oh! oh, oh let me re- let me reread that because I I just I I read it funny. If Bergeron does retire, do you move Marshand while he has two years left, knowing decent if not great pieces can be brought in for him? That like. I am so, so, so happy that that's not my call because yeah. I, I think that would honestly, it makes a lot of, it, I hate to say it, it makes sense. And that would be a right thing to do in terms of like building a future for this franchise. But holy right. shit, he like Don Sweeney will get tomatoes thrown on him every, every time he walks out of his house, somebody's going to be there yelling at him because I don't want to be, I wouldn't want to be the guy who traded Brad Marshawn, but see it's, it makes sense, but it would hurt so bad. Oh yeah. If Marshan leaves, that's that's the move in the offseason that I'm talking about when you lose key pieces that will be gut wrenching. But, well, but you you can't be too mad because it like we said, it kind of makes sense, but it would hurt yeah. so bad. Yeah, I mean they they have a lot of players here that they could cash in on before it gets too late you know like you like if you it, you could trade brad Marshawn right now and you could probably get a, a pretty decent haul for him but if he like he already showed this year he 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 played well but he didn't mm-hmm. have the production that he's had the last couple years and understandably so i mean he's coming off of double hip surgery at 35 like you think about that too if the bruins like suck this year and they want to trade brad Marshawn next year but his price has significantly dropped like you would want to get ahead of the curve. But like a hard part for me too is like all that's left from that 2011 team is him, Krejci, and Bergeron. And we have a chance that we could lose all three of them in the matter of one offseason. And yeah. that that would be gut-wrenching yeah. as a fan of this team. But 
very happy it's not either of our calls because I don't think either of us could be the one to pull that pull the trigger on that. Yeah. Um, that would be a dagger to the heart, but um, this one comes in from Chris Nosek. Uh, follow him on Twitter at CNosek6342. Uh, fellow host of What's Brewing live show on Monday nights. Um, a lot of you listening to this probably listen to that as well. It's a great show that we do together. Um, every Monday night at 7 p.m. live show. Uh, we read comments and it's it's a really fun time, to be honest with you. But he asks, given the depth this team has showed all year, why do you think they didn't lean on said depth in the playoffs if Allmark had such a debilitating injury? Bergeron had a herniated disc and Forbert and Krejci were clearly hurting. That, yeah, I mean, that's what we all want to know too. <laughs> yeah, and Jim Montgomery is the one pulling those strings. So it's, yeah. it's it goes back to Jim Montgomery. Like you, Sweeney got you the depth for this exact reason. If players are hurt, Go to the depth. This is why you traded for depth at the deadline. Yet you still chose to go with the injured guys. It makes no sick. It, and now I'm talking directly to you. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, no sick. God damn. I don't know, yeah. man. Especially because they had to use that depth for the first four games, right? right. When, you were, when your top two centers were out. So you relied on that depth that you've had all year and the depth that you picked up at the trade deadline. And wouldn't you know it, you didn't play great hockey, but you're up three to one. And then they keep the injured goalie in. I don't know what Krejci's injury was, but he came back from an injury. I think it was an elbow maybe. And you bring back Patrice Bergeron with a herniated disc in his back and you drop the next three consecutive games. To think that there is some sort of uh, that this might be related to something like, yeah, you started the injured guys. It's yeah. Hey, oh surprise, surprise. When you played the healthy guys, you were a better team. Yeah, I, I don't know why that that's shocking to Montgomery. I don't know. I'm really mad at Jim Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, this next question comes in from. Oh, this next question comes in from Kevin Lynch. Shadow Lynchy. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at 13 Lynchy. He said, A, very concerned about Lindholm and Olmark in the NHL playoffs. Mentally soft. B, zero goals from the D. C, 14 third period goals after 59 all season. Average two per game equals 164 for season. So there's a lot to dissect right there. Lindholm and Olmark in the playoffs. Mentally soft. Agree, disagree. I don't think mentally soft, but there's a noticeable drop off in their game. I don't necessarily disagree. Omar pooped the bed. He pooped. The, he pooped his pants. He, he definitely he a did. Big old stinky poop in his pants. In but the if crease. he took if he took a big steamer in the crease because he was hurt, I don't know right, if you could right. say that's being mentally soft. But like Hampus Lindholm, on the other hand, where, we were we were banging our chest, banging drums, saying that this guy should be in the Norris conversation. Yep. And you said earlier, he didn't have a single point in it's, a seven-game series as a top-four defenseman? I saw somebody make this point, and it kind of made the gears in my mind start turning a little bit. He, you think he's got a little bit of... um, What's the correct word for it? I guess PTSD from, from, from taking that... Up. No, well, that not only that, <laughs> but from taking that Svechnikov hit last year and getting knocked out and being scared to to go to the dirty areas when the game gets a little bit tougher. No, I don't think so. I mean, no. he he, play, he played incredible all year. 
what's the I mean that could happen in in game one through eighty two just because you're the playoffs doesn't mean that oh shit a year ago in the playoffs uh, I I got knocked out I mean the same thing could have happened up until a year I don't think that's what it is like I I don't know like I don't want to say that some guys aren't. I mean, some guys aren't built for the playoffs. And I don't want to say that's Hampus Lindholm because it's a tiny sample size. Did he ever make mm-hmm. the playoffs on the Ducks? Uh, I think maybe one or two years. I mean, it's still, it's not like this guy has exactly a lot of playoff experience, but like def- like looking at who the player that he was in the playoffs, again, like this was not the Bruins team that we saw regular season. And this was not the Hampus Lindholm that we saw regular season. So I don't know. I wouldn't say that that Olmark was mentally soft, but I think you might have an argument there with Hampus Lindholm. Yep. Um, his second part, zero goals from the D. Yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. After seeing basically your offense be driven by the defense all season long. That's, that was a point that we have, that we, that we harped on all year is that the defense was finally free to move the puck and skate up and, and kind of be free and do what they want. And you yeah. saw none of it. You saw, they, you know what? You literally saw none of it. You saw them just trying to make the stretch passes all series long. And that's, and they kept a, getting picked go, off. Yeah. To go full circle. That's the turnovers. And I keep coming back to like, this Bruins team looks so different than the team that we saw in the regular season. And that's why, like, I'm, I don't have an answer. I'm confused, like everybody else. But like, is is that because the Bruins, like, is it because they choked? Is it because the the pressure, like Ethan said, is it because all of the choices that Jim Montgomery played, or maybe was it just because Florida's a good team? I mean, the Florida Panthers, they were like, what? Uh, the Bruins, I think, were two and one, uh, two one and one against them in the regular season. So they played the Bruins all this year. Like, how much of it do you think was just a bad matchup? Because you're right. Like, the Bruins defense looked horrible. Like, t- they didn't look like this all year. Now, was it because right. they were being arrogant or they, you know, they thought that they could just get away with sloppy play? Or is it because of what the Florida Panthers were doing? And, like, through the neutral zone, is it the, could the Bruins not carry the puck into and set up an offense? Could they not string a couple passes together because uh, their heads aren't in it? And because the lines were all messed up or is it because the Florida Panthers were running a trap? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to just put this on the Bruins completely falling apart. Like the Florida Panthers played some great hockey, like their backs are against the wall for three straight games and they took it to the Bruins. And like, like that's why, like still right now, I don't know if, if, if I'm, if I feel, if I can confidently say that this was a total collapse by the Bruins or like, if the Florida Panthers, man, if they just showed up and they were the better team at the end of the day, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the third part of his question, 14 third period goals after 59 all season. Um, it, I, the, my main problem is that they couldn't hold the lead after they scored those third period goals. Immediately, Florida would score. Like, hold it down. Hold yeah. it down. If they could just hold down a couple of those leads too, this this series ends in five, or it ends like it it doesn't unfold the way that it does, and it's, I mean they fifty nine seconds, move over seventeen seconds from twenty thirteen. There's a new heartbreaking amount of time, fifty nine seconds away from going to the second round, and that's like what's the frustrating part too, because everything that we've we this episode we're almost at two hours of just shit that we've yeah. said about how miraculously depressing this series was from the Bruins. They were 59 seconds away from starting the second round with a clean slate. 
Yep. Like this, if, like this is us just venting and processing yeah. what we've all been feeling for the past two days. Yeah. Oh, it's like a group uh, therapy session. All right. Well, most of, most of the rest of the questions are pretty similar. So I'm going to go through and, and just read off all of the, uh, the grievances that you all put through here. So let's see. I'm going to start here. Cue the sad music. This comes in from Sambone Jones. Follow him on Twitter at Sambone Jones. This loss has caused irreparable emotional damage. I don't think I can ever invest myself as much in a team again. Worst loss in my fandom career. Bergy deserved better. They all did. Now this one comes in from Lauren. You can follow her at Big Bruins Energy. God, th- that's horrible. I can't even say Bergeron's name without tearing up still. This one comes in from Molly McGovern at the pasta underscore sniper. So sad. Don't think I'll ever recover from this one. The season was so great and felt like magic and having it in the way it did doesn't feel right. Feel awful for Bergie and Krejci. They deserve so much better. This is close to as bad as 19. Not even gonna lie. This comes in from Joel Evans. Follow him on Twitter at Midwest underscore cigars. Irreparable damage has been done to my love for sports and hockey in general. Christine, follow her on Twitter at C-A-J-M-O-N-A-Y. There's nothing left to say. This comes in from Sharon Dietz. Follow her on Twitter at Rona DLA. I'm still trying to process how the hell this happened. This one comes in from Scotty. Follow him on Twitter at B-E-H-M underscore Scott. All caps. Of course, now that it's over, Allmark had a debilitating injury. Give me a fucking break, man. We love you, Ellie. But not as much as getting through round one. What the fuck? This one comes in from BU Terrier. Follow him on Twitter at JimRat3820. It's like when the package from AliExpress arrives. Such great expectations. Until nothing fits and the iPhone plugs don't work. <laughs> So that was you guys airing your grievances. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really not much else to say. It's going to be an interesting off season. Uh, it's going to be a potentially painful off season, and much like going into this season, or yeah, much like going into this season, the expectations are kind of unknown. Um, but we are almost at the two hour mark. Mel, you want to add anything here at the end? I mean, shit. (laughs) I don't know what else there is to say. Um, I guess I do want to say for for everybody, we're on episode 40 and it has been a lot of fun for you and myself. We we can't believe that people actually take the time out of their day to listen to (laughs) us talk about the Bruins. I mean, you and I have been doing this since we were in freaking middle school, chopping up about the Bruins. So it's been a lot of fun. Sully says every episode that we, we truly can't do this without you guys, without your DMS, without your, you know, your voicemails, without you guys tweeting at us and interacting with the show. It's been a lot of fun. Um, This is our first season as a podcast and, couldn't have picked a, a more newsworthy season to start a podcast. I say we're doing pretty well with that, but um, we're excited to keep this thing going. I know we have uh, s- summers are usually a bit dead in terms of content, but I think that we're going to have a lot to talk about with some talking about next season and players coming in and coming out. Um, but we do want to thank you guys, of course, for your support and sticking with us this long. If you're still here, if you're new, 
welcome. We're happy to have you here. Um, and we're looking forward to next year. As, yeah. As and, painful as it sounds. And and um, we're still going to be doing uh, at least one episode a week. We're going to try to stick Tuesday nights, drop Wednesday morning. Um, and like Mel said, usually summers are dead. But with the amount of, you know, <laughs> things that Don Sweeney and Cam Neely have to figure out with this team and, and all the storylines with Bergeron and Krejci, Bertuzzi, I think Orlov's gone. So don't even worry about Orlov Um, expecting some big trades to happen. There's, there's going to be news to talk about. It's, I don't think it's going to be a dead summer. Um, We're going to have plenty of content throughout the year, throughout the off season. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you keep, um, keep up with the episodes that we're going to drop throughout the summer from, from now until the start of next year. Um, it's, it's going to be a hell of an off season and we're not going to stop either. Yeah. And you know, we, this, I think this episode has been a big group therapy session. Hopefully yeah. I know yeah. like thinking back about some of the stuff I said in this episode, I think if I had a more level head, I might not have said it or agree with it, but like, it's just, there's, there's nothing you could say to adequately sum up the feeling that you have right now. Although I will, I do want to add this. I just opened our something's something's brewing Twitter account and uh, Larry, you can follow him on Twitter at E new seven, seven tweeted and said, Hey, at least they figured out their power play in time for the playoffs. So <laughs> there's a bit of silver lining, but I do also want to just quickly plug, <laughs> quickly plug all of our channels and our outlets where you can follow us. You can, you can tweet at us, call us, whatever you can, of course, follow the something's Bruin podcast on Twitter at Bruin something. We're definitely going to be cooking up some tweets, some videos, some what have you, some interactive stuff throughout the off season. So definitely send us a follow there. You can of course follow Sully as well at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can flip that and follow me at Nick Melanson underscore on Twitter. We're also on YouTube. Uh, we, we have a couple, if you want to get a good laugh, I think we have, I think we have six videos on our YouTube channel right now. Yeah. Uh, the first five are like, like within like the first 15 episodes we ever did. Uh, we have our Halloween one up there. You can see what we were wearing on Halloween when we were recording. So you yeah. can go back and watch that. But uh, moving forward, we're going to keep updating uh, or uploading videos of every episode that we put up. So, Last week's episode was the the first in this continual line of episodes. Uh, this episode will also be on YouTube. You can f- uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Something's Bruin. That is our YouTube channel. So our Twitter is at Bruin Something, no G. YouTube is at Something's Bruin. You can follow us on on Twitter and YouTube. And if you want to leave a voicemail, of course, you can call us at 508 263 Yep. Hell of a breakdown, Mel. Fuck yeah. Thank you. Wow. We have officially hit the two hour mark. This is officially our longest something's brewing episode ever. Doesn't feel like two hours. Yeah. Doesn't feel like two hours though. I mean, like you said, this is a group therapy session and I think that was the best way to describe it. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll be with you guys throughout the summer. You guys will be with us throughout the summer. Uh, We'll find some, some entertaining interactive pieces of content for for you guys throughout the throughout the off season as well um i know last off season we started in like we started this podcast in like august so it was before the season started and we we did all-time bruins drafts um all-time most hated players drafts favorite bruins moments in history um 
So th- there's there's ways to keep it interesting, and I'm sure we'll brainstorm a couple of really fun ones where we can be more interactive with you guys as well. Um, but I mean, a hell of a season, fucking terrible ending. <laughs> but but I mean, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I mean, goddamn. But but um, yeah. This was episode 40 of the Something's Brewing podcast. As always, brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at PNG Productions. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. You can follow us on Twitter at Brewing Something, no G at the end. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Something's Brewing. Uh, if you're interested in in NHL 23 content, the video game, I'll probably be putting some content up there. I know me and Nick play EASHL from time to time. So I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure in the off season, we're going to be playing a, more of that now that there's no hockey to watch. Um, yeah. You know, what we could do too. We could, we could, we could play with people. I don't know. Yeah. I, we, I know we, we've had people join our streams before and say that well, Sully and I are on PS5. So you would, unless it was cross platform after PS5. But we've had yeah. people before mention they would like to play NHL with us or you know I have every game under the book. I am currently <laughs> playing uh Jedi Survivor fantastic game but um our, our Twitch I don't know if you mentioned it, it was at Tumbling Muffins but I know that you go on there a lot building teams fixing teams ultimate teams so follow us yeah. there as well. Yep. Uh that's a little ode to Jack Edwards but um <laughs> But yeah, hey, thank you guys all for listening. Your support all year was appreciated. Um, unbelievable how much we've grown, and that's a uh, that's a kudos to you guys. So let's keep it up. Let's let's not get too depressed. Let's remember we always have next season. I know this season hurts like hell, but but that's just more of a reason to get amped up for next year. It's the 2023-2024 Bruins Revenge Tour. So let's start it off on the right foot. Uh, let's let's stay hyped about this team and go bees. And um, we'll catch you guys all next week. Bye. Are we, uh, do we, what? What the fuck? Dude. No, what the fuck? Do we keep going on the, uh, on the weekly schedule? Yeah. Dude, this is, this is messed up, man. Yeah, I know. We weren't supposed to be making this episode this soon. No. No, I don't even, this is so, okay, we'll get into it. Fuck. Oh, all right, well, we gotta. Okay, here we go. All right. Are you ready? Yep. I'm almost ready. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>